97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm hello welcome to the science of fiction uh, i'm will as ever and opposite me not on the webcam conveniently for him is andy hi there so today we're going to be talking about uh, conspiracies conspiracy theories maybe some conspiracy facts uh, maybe some things that ought to be conspiracies which aren't. Uh, so if you're listening and you have some tinfoil hat, uh, tinfoil near you, you should make some hats and you should send in some pictures of yourselves wearing these hats while you tell us all of your crazy conspiracy theories. Tinfoil hat? I've completely forgotten about that conspiracy theory. Yeah. Well, you know, they. I've I've I've, on, I've been known to turn up to uh, relatively important meetings during an internship wearing a tinfoil hat. I think I had too much coffee that morning. Um, <laughs> Astonishingly, yeah, that, that, I, I, I wasn't just frog marched from the uh, premises immediately. But hey, is there a good way to make your tinfoil hat? Do you make it in a sailor style, or do you wrap it as tightly as possible? I mean, I think the approach I took was largely to take a large piece, fold it onto my head, and then try and add embellishments after that. Uh, some of my teammates did some more uh, elaborate constructions involving, you know, uh, horns and uh, all kinds of things. Of course, if you go into a hair salon, you find many women with tinfoil all over their hair. Exactly. So you know, you could say that in the event of some kind of uh, global mind control catastrophe get your head on it'll be great um, so if you have any entertaining stories about uh, tinfoil hats which is unlikely or which, or more likely if you have any pet conspiracies you'd like us to take a peer at uh, with our beady eyes you can uh, write us a message using the web form on the web player if you're listening there you can email studio at camfm.co.uk you could text cam followed by your message to 80809 text cost 10p or you can tweet at Think Outreach, and we'll pick that up. Um, meanwhile, we'll be back soon.
97.2. CamFM.co.uk. On air and online. Your CamFM. Welcome back to the Science of Fiction. That was 65 Days of Static with uh, The Conspiracy of Seeds. The seed, there, there are lyrics later in the song, but they're not about seeds. So I'm not really sure what the conspiracy there is supposed to be. But do seeds generally have conspiracies? Um, if there are any seeds listening, then they could also write into us and that will uh, let, let us know. Uh, but seeds I mean, have the internet? I guess, I mean, unless you can have some kind of poison spreading technique where you, you know, scatter seeds on the wind and, you know, try, try and infect people, or I don't know. I don't know, maybe it's the seeds that go into your mind. Ah, such as such as if someone publishes, say, a, a photograph which looks su- suggestively like a face. Yes. From Mars. Perfect segue. Absolutely. So yeah, the face from Mars, of course, is an incredibly famous photo from ages and ages ago. 1977. Before Star Wars came out. No, same year as Star Wars came out. It's a sign. It's a sign. Oh, that was just totally by random. Um, and yeah. So the face from Mars is uh, one of the photos looking down on Mars saw what looked like a face in the rock below them. But of course, it wasn't. Well, it's, the story is obviously a little bit longer than that. There was um, it, you know, the, the face was published, and it was seen to be that from the from the angle the light fell on it and the low quality of the photograph, you saw the, the shape of a face, which is actually a phenomenon known as pareidolia. Uh, although I'm not sure how to pronounce that, having only ever seen it on a screen and on the title of an instrumental electronic album. Um, but so you know, NASA thought, okay, well, we should probably like solve this out. So they, they they got various like craft that were near Mars at various points in the future to publish more photographs, showing pretty conclusively that this is actually uh, well, it's called the D and M pyramid. Apparently, it's actually got nothing looks nothing like a face at all. Is the D and M pyramid not the one nearby? Oh, maybe there was a um yeah, because people also get excited about this fact there's a pyramid-shaped mountain, but again, it's just a pyramid-shaped well, mountain. Well, I read a short story about that, actually, um, where, where the pyramid-shaped mountains on Mars were because the Soviets, at the end of the Cold War, uh, had decided that the only way to survive would be to make spaceships in the shape of pyramids, and then, um, to escape, fire them off and point them at Mars. So they don't have to do any kind of complicated landing or anything. They just kind of pointed them at Mars, and the points were where they would land and stick into the ground. But the other way up? Well... Yeah, I think that was glossed over. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I guess Pyramids of Spaceship has been done before by uh, Stargate well, SG-1. Well, the Egyptians and their conspiracies. Yeah, their yeah, yeah. Which we're not, I think we're not going to even go near, because we could just get lost in. So There's so much. But, you know, yeah, and I think the problem is, is, is pretty much all of the you know, Egyptian mythology about, you know, and people thinking that there were aliens and stuff has been dealt with conclusively by the aforementioned mediocre sci-fi TV series. Yeah, like, what I love though is uh, Stargate has the best episode where they pretend that they're making a movie of Stargate to put people off the fact that it's a secret government organisation. It's like the 100th anniversary or 100th episode, I don't know, can't be 100, haven't been running for 100 it, it was, it was, it was the 100th episode. The uh, hun- and also the 200th episode, uh, which talked about how it failed but did very well on DVD, which is a reference to Firefly. Ah, that's it. See, I just love the idea that it's it's a conspiracy in because it is a conspiracy effectively Stargate right. that they're hiding from the world that they have alien contact. Exactly, exactly. Um, but they, uh, yeah. yeah. And so the people, the world population in Stargate must be so dim because it's not. It's like big spaceships turn up once in a while. I think when that happens, that's when it starts being like people do actually acknowledge that you know aliens might exist. It's quite difficult to avoid that. Or maybe that only happens in flashbacks. Who knows. Who knows? It's been a very long time since it I watched it. It is the longest running ever sci-fi TV series, maybe. That's terrifying. I discovered the, the, the other day, actually, that uh, Red Dwarf, speaking of sci-fi TV series, um, which we'll come back to a bit later, um, 
only had the seventh and eighth seasons to push it over the 50 episode mark, which is the minimum number you need to qualify to be part of some kind of mass syndication program. So really the only reason the data series people kind of frown on were made were to make more money on the previous seasons. Is that not conspiracy theories itself? Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But you know, of course, yeah, NASA could have been faking all these photographs. And as far as we know, there really could be people living on Sidonia. Who, I wonder who could tell us.
103.2 camfm.co.uk your station your camfm Welcome back. That was, of course, Knights of Cydonia by Muse. Which I had never, ever put together with the idea of um, Cydonia being the place on Mars with a face force until I saw, was looking up for that link and discovered that, oh, there's a Muse song with the same name. Well, I think the, thing, the video had them um, maybe maybe on uh, on Mars. They, they definitely had a video where they were in a kind of an arid desert and there was a weird um, kind of Wild West video. I think it was that one. Yeah. And so suddenly it makes sense that, you know, well, that it's an arid desert, which is kind of orange, on Mars. It's kind of famous for that. Yeah, it, though, bizarrely, the colour's really hard to get right, because so many of the photos are false colour. Ah. Which is quite common. So if you look at some of the Mars rover pictures, you can see, like, a panel on them with, um, like, the colour tests, like the red, green and blue stuff, which uh. so we know what it is. And you'll notice they're completely wrong. And that's because a lot of the photos actually go into the infrared and the ultraviolet, and then they squidge it down, so infrared becomes red. Red becomes slightly yellowy and etc. etc. Interesting. So you'd think having a calibration um, pattern there could help you to help the people releasing the photographs to push them back to the right areas. Well, it but I guess they, they, they lose theory. detail. People thought that they were. Okay, <laughs> look, your marker's wrong. You're fudging your information. Of course, they weren't fudging it. They were just releasing pretty pictures, so they didn't really care about the colour accuracy. Yeah. It's like most pictures of space, actually, the colours are false. Right, and, and everything's been tweaked, I guess. But Muse, Muse, you know, it's kind of a sideline in conspiracy theories. Uh, they had a live album called Harp, H-A-A-R-P, uh, which is named after the high-frequency, um, well, I guess high-frequency is one word, high-frequency active auroral research program, um, which is a massive um, radio rig. And the, the idea is to um, send radio pulses into the ionosphere, which I think is one of the highest um, bands of the atmosphere, yep. and then study how these radio waves propagate through the ionosphere and how they affect it. Um, and this is obviously just open season for conspiracy theories um i mean there was I mean, there are there are p- real people who think that they are actually you know trying to control our minds or change the weather or all kinds of ridiculous That's, things have you ever watched the anime series serial experiments leanne i have not leanne. uh that has this idea that there's this the energy fields of the earth are allowing all the minds to interconnect it's really weird uh. and i have seen the whole of it and i would probably have to go back before i say more but the idea is all the they talk about this sixth level protocol or something like that, which sounds incredibly like just the next version of the internet, but There's apparently some, allows some, minds to interconnect. Some kind of sixth sense in the brain? It was. It, I think it's meant to be a Gaia field, so. Oh, uh, okay. So it's make believe, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I read a, n- a really terrible novel by Tom Clancy, which doesn't even bear naming, uh, about how, you know, Harp was actually being used to um, send people uh, in, in a very small village in China into ma- you know, furious rage and start killing people with pitchforks. Um, that book probably did that too. Um, it's po- it's po- it's possible. Certainly, if it was released there. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- th- there are some other things, going, mysterious things going on going on on top of the uh, atmosphere. I think so it's, yeah, I think it's partly because it's really mysterious and far away. But sometimes it does actually have issues, like in the Starfish Prime test. That just sounds that sounds like a sci-fi thing itself. Starfish Prime. It does. Like, Either that or a really naughty movie. <laughs> Um, no, no further questions. <laughs> Starfish Prime it was, it was a, um, a nuclear test, right? Yep. Um, and it it was you know again to see how how what would happen if you detonated a thing right at the, right at the top of the sky. But it went a little bit further than planned and caused a massive EMP, knocking out ooh you know um, knocking out electronics a hundred a thousand four hundred and forty five kilometers from where it detonated. You know car alarms going off, electronics being fried. Street lamps with that, I find that quite impressive because street lamps are quite reliable. Right. You and know they're not semiconductor things that are fragile, which is normally what you think EMP will take out. Yeah, yeah. And it, the great thing about that is, of course, is a lot of people are very dismissive of uh, the movie Goldeneye of James Bond that the EMP would work. 
because normally you expect the NPS to be quite close to your target, so having a space wouldn't, but it actually does. I mean, I guess it's not even theoretical, right? It's They it's, did it. <laughs> it. It happened by accident. Even the people doing it were surprised. Yeah, uh, and it's because of the, straight, the sort of type of atmosphere it's in, this sort of ionic place, that it has a much more... It amplifies the AMP of the bomb. Huh. But I, I just love the idea of thinking what these people were coming up with when they're sitting around the table. Do you have a spare nuclear bomb? Why? I just want to blow it up in the Van Allen belt, see what happens. <laughs> we can do that. Have, uh, do you have lots of spare nukes, Andy? Uh, uh, this is an American project, they do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Comparatively, yeah. I don't. Fair point. I mean, a little bit further down in the sky, people think that some of the contrails that planes release are not, in fact, just steam, right? Yeah, because obviously aeroplanes don't release water, because that would be ridiculous, despite the fact that it is the... M- one, it's a major product of combustion, and two, I'm fairly sure they cause nucleation when things pass through your engine anyway. But these people believe... Ca- planes are spraying chemtrails and these chemtrails are doing stuff to us poisoning us controlling our minds Tim, yeah temporal hat brigade in full effect yeah and it and it is based on the fact that well sometimes you don't see these chemtrails so they're obviously selective ah uh, so it's only when they really want to control their mind yeah i mean people are really fascinated with kind of weird things happening in the sky there's, there's a community called strange sounds in the sky.com uh, if you're interested in checking it out and they think there's been an increase in unexplained noises, and they're probably caused by secret military research and all these things. Um, which, you know, if, if, if you're bored and you're not doing anything while listening to the show, maybe you want to take a look at that. And it's, it's all pretty crazy. There are videos showing, like, wobbling noises coming out of factories. Like, well, grunding noises coming out of a factory is not that surprising. Well, I love the way it's, it's so secret that you can only find it on one website on the internet where it's in complete detail. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, these sounds are kind of... Yeah, it was like, oh, these sounds are incredibly quiet. So we had to like boost them, you know, and amplify the source material a thousand percent. So not sure it's necessarily that accurate. It could just be encoding artifacts. Who knows? But speaking of listening quietly, listening quietly, listening carefully. Sunbeam, stop tugging me. Pull that door shut quietly. Darling, what are you doing? We don't have time for this.
And across Cambridge, your station, your Cam FM. Welcome back to the Science of Fiction. That was, and as you can hear, still is, shh, SSH by Frufru, which is the Image and Heaps side project. Um, which I wasn't really sure what it was about, and then I did some searching. It turns out it's about aliens. So, you know, about, um, she says, you know, um, give me an hour and I'll give you a dream. It's talking, she's talking to a child and saying, keep quiet and look, you know, look, look out here. We're not safe, but if you st- keep your head down, then, you know, you can see something amazing. That's a really odd title as well because it's so unexpected. Shh, shh, shh. Yeah, it's very hard to talk about. Very hard to talk about. Um, we got a message from uh, Emma saying that she's now enjoying an epic boogie to the Muse. I guess that was during uh, Muse uh, while making dinner. So I hope your dinner is delicious and um, not made of Mars dust. Though if you're listening to the p- previous show, I do hope you put your clothes back on. Yeah, there's um, I was, the, on the on the last show there was uh, yes yeah, they were they were asking the listeners I don't know if you were listening listeners uh, to um, get naked and uh, one of the burst the bubble listeners wrote in to say I was already naked and pass no name which I think is probably for the best yes well don't cook naked it, it causes it. so certainly don't fry naked but this is their whole thing was about mind control. Yeah, they well, were trying to control the minds of their listeners to get them naked. Which r- yeah, and so um, they were they were mentioning during one of the intervals that um. The, uh, the, there was a theory that the Soviets during the Cold War were experimenting with mind control to induce heart attacks in Western diplomats, which makes no sense, because why would you induce a heart attack with mind control? I guess by getting people really up, really het up or something? You could just send them really bad spam. That would get me... I mean, Arrgh, more spam! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the Cold War had spam. Maybe it did. Well, then, this is a new research area, I guess. Well, you'd have, you couldn't do it by email. You'd have to do actual paper spam. Wow, this is what all the Twitter spam bots are for. <laughs> They're trying to destroy the social network. The social network? Social networking. Let's go with that. But um, I guess the, um, the the Soviets mind control thing was pastiched in one of the Red, Red Alert uh, vi- video games, where uh, they had the Russian side had a unit called Yuri who could control your mind, and apparently Yuri Geller, who was not particularly impressed. Wasn't this like an entire expansion pack? It wasn't just one character. Oh sure, I, <laughs> it was like they made an entire expansion pack about mind controlling Russians. Sounds perfect. But hey, move anyway. Moving sort of. Veering back towards aliens, uh, supposedly when I was a child, I should have seen Flight of the Navigator. Oh, you so should have. It's like the best alien abduction movie ever. It's mm. like a, and it is a kids' movie. It's very much so. A kid gets sort of hit over head by his brother or something, and falls in a ditch, and then wakes up and then finds that twenty years have passed or something. Huh? And what's actually happened is he was abducted by an alien. They've experimented on him and brought him back twenty years later. But they're re- it's a really friendly alien. Okay. And, uh, kind of, kind of ET level friendly, or well, the, a little bit more experimenting. But the spaceship okay. has an AI. Well, yeah, I assume it is. It looks very metal, and this, and then it basically picks the kid up again, who does a run on and says, "Can you take me back in time?" Which is a spoiler, and they, you know, he ends up back in the ditch where he should be. But it's like this, very much kids but fun movie where everyone's happy. They do some experimenting. They find that his brain isn't as good as you like. You know, humans aren't that clever. He has little. Sc- cute animals on the spaceship, one which eats his NASA hat. <laughs> do not, do, are there particular hats that NASA use? Oh, the NASA baseball cap. Oh, okay, okay. Thingy, I can't remember if he's into space or NASA get very interested when he claims to, you know, not age 20 years, in 20 years. Huh, huh. 
I guess that gets by. But it's a movie that every person should see, and the ship has like different modes, like normal flying saucer, then it gets pointy when it needs to go fast. Ah, well, I guess I mean this could be a, a, some kind of relativity thing, as you know. Time dilation as you. No, no, I think it's just aerodynamics. No, okay. Oh, oh, Con- oh, Concord Star. Maybe Concord was designed to go into space. Oh, it was. It, it, you know, Pan Am was selling tickets for it. Huh. Do you know about Pan Am selling tickets to space? No. Oh, well, that's why they went bust almost. Because <laughs> they sell these tickets to the moon and um, then they didn't deliver. Well, yeah, given that commercial space flight is still not quite a reality. But this, they got caught up in the whole space race thing. Huh. I mean,. I guess in this, in this case, presumably the character ended up back in back back in the pre- in his his present day with his memory erased. No, no, he could remember everything that happened. Uh, okay. Uh, so the, the the plot is that he can't be t- they weren't going to take him back because it put a risk to his health. But he but they decide actually he'd be nicer. To well, him. he said he couldn't live on this because everyone thought he was everyone wanted to experiment on him because he hadn't aged. Right. But so there's there's some cool scenes like they need to. I can't remember if you need some food or something like that, but they pull into a gas station. And then the steps come out, and they're like hovering steps, and the kids are just running around and playing with it. And it, it's got that standard children's movie style thing where nobody seems to be in any way upset that there's a spaceship. It's just kind of there. <laughs> you know. I mean, I guess the, there's the other approach that, pe- that people use in, um, well, mostly TV shows and films, is to kind of wipe people's memories uh, after the um, abduction or whatever. So, I mean, Men in Black is kind of one of the stereotypical examples. They have the magic zappers, right? Yeah. I mean, there was so there was actually an article in Wired recently about how you could actually erase long-term memories, and it isn't purely theoretical. I mean, it, I think it's, it is theoretical, but the mechanism is known. So apparently, um, whenever you um, remember a long-term memory as opposed to a short-term memory, um, the act of remembering it changes it slightly. Yeah. And there's a particular protein which is involved in the forming of new memories. So the idea is basically to um, inhibit the production of this protein, and then ask you to remember the memory that you want to forget. And the act of doing so will change the memory, which will mean it will try to be stored again, but the storage will fail. Well, this is what we discussed when we had Dr. Amy Milton on the show and we discussed memory, because she works on, uh, I think she works now on drug addiction, but there's post-traumatic stress disorder and drug addiction and alcoholism and all those things. Uh, There's a memory of an emotional response that makes you have the problem, and Mm. she's working on erasing only the emotional response, and they can do it for PTSD. And what we do is they get you to recall it. They use a drug at the same time. And over several treatments, they can make the emotional component of the memory go. But you keep the memory, which, uh, of course, is okay. useful. Because people who got a disorder don't actually want to forget. They want to just not be distru- disturbed to, by to it. To be able to manage it rather yeah. than to, to forget they had it at all. Because that's probably more upsetting. Yeah. I mean, I guess in the case of... Yeah. I think, I think the, the, the applications are here are kind of potentially fraught. And I think there were lots of qualifications in the Wired article, which I've obviously skimmed over. Mm. Uh, maybe we should have her back and have a, have a we could t- talk about this development. Uh, the other thing i say is, we're talking about alien abductions, of course, is um, it's often called layman's uh, sleep paralysis is the main thing that seems to be what alien abductions are. And uh, I don't know if anyone's had this. If you have this where you you basically wake up and you can't move? It's happened to me occasionally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really common. I can't remember what percentage it is. And, so, uh, so this is because during REM sleep, your bo- your body is rendered immobile so that you don't hurt yourself by acting out the uh, motions of your dreams. Yeah, but the interesting thing is, the, the one we most talk about is the paralysis, but there are other bits that go with it, and that's hallucinations, uh, terror, uh, oh. unable to breathe, as if something's sitting on your chest, uh, and feeling another presence in the room. And all, these are all, all, all things you see in alien abduction Yeah, and I, I mean, I've... Have a friend who just gets for hallucinations when he wakes up once in a while, hmm. and like you know, insects crawling over all the walls and stuff—terrifying stuff. 
It's, oh. it's really weird. Well, and I've it, had a paralysis a few times, and I have a paralysis with think absolutely sure someone's in the room, and it's terrifying because you, you can't move and you think and you someone's can, there. You can't look around to check. Yeah. So, so no surprise that people think there's some kind of malingering presence over their shoulder. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, I mean this is what I think is actually quite important to tell people that this even exists if you can, because when it, first time you have it, I knew because. Because, because you're, you're in this kind of yeah. neck of the world of research or of, but, of human knowledge. But if you don't know, it can be a really terrifying experience. And it's not something... You, where do you go? And if you Google, you'll end up discovering you were abducted by an alien. Exactly. I mean, that's what, that's what happens to children. But yeah, there's, there's, there's something I don't think children can ever forget. And any, anyone who was a child in the you know, early 90s will definitely remember this noise. Your station. Your Cambridge. Your Cam FM. Welcome back to the Science of Fiction. That was, of course, The Circle of Life, the opening track from The Lion King. Which, the first time I watched the movie in cinema, I missed because we got there late. Oh, no, but it's the best, it's the <laughs> best sequence. There's this incredible, se- the incredible sequence where he holds Simba aloft and that the ray of sun hits him. It's all very uh, I know, I had to symbolic. wait it came out on VHS. VHS, wow. That's, put- that, that, that's putting it back. Yeah, we now got the DVD, I think. Ah, uh, I see. Well, so we, we got a couple of messages dur- dur- during that. Uh, one from Ira saying, Le- yes, The Lion King, yes. And also pointing out that actually I saw the wired memory link from her, which I did. So it is really <laughs> um, And also uh, a message asking how we're going to segue from Lion King to Lizard King, perhaps, from Emma. Yes, that is indeed how 
we're going to segue it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think, here. Yeah, that, that's, an, that's like precognitive. I should probably check who's able to look at this document. Um, but the... Um, the yeah, the, 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 the link I really had in mind was um, Obama's birther conspiracy. Like people, people who think that Obama didn't really... Um, didn't really, you know, isn't American, basically. Isn't American, exactly. You know, it's a question of was he actually born in um, in the uh, in, 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 in Hawaii or was he not? And he, so he finally released his long form birth certificate to, to prove, quote unquote, that he really was an American. And of course, you know, people have been picking it apart. Joe Joe Arpaio, who's a sheriff of um, Manicopa County in Arizona, uh, claims it's a fake. Well, you know, whatever. You can't you can't prove some things. But then Obama also at the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner said he was going to release his birth footage and then played the opening sequence from The Lion King, um, which of course you know anyone who recognizes it knows immediately what, what, where he's going with this. And pretty great. He then pointed out to the Fox News correspondents in the room, calling them out by name. That was not in fact his birth. That was in fact The Lion King. <laughs> just in case there was any doubt in the matter uh, I, I do find it weird but you know he's he's a long way for his term if they prove that he's an American now it's kind of suggests that the entirety of the United States is so rubbish it's not even worth trying to prove now isn't it well yeah like what harm is it going to do to anyone he's, he, he's, he's done whatever good or bad to the country as, he, as has he's done and you know we're going to rescind the last four years. Yeah, just to kind of re- well, wipe everyone's memories with this new uh, mem- memory wiping technology, and we'll be grand. But yeah, Lizard Kings actually does relate to where we were heading with this. Yeah, well, because you know, there's there's a the whole thing of people think that. Um, no, sp- not not people. One man in particular. Who is this one man who thinks about uh, lizards? David Icke, the legend. He um, so he basically believes that. I mean, I can't remember who's currently believed on. He's toned it back a bit recently, but da- Tony Blair was definitely a lizard in human skin. Coin to David Icke. Huh. Well, because this, this was a, this was something which came up in Canadian politics. There was a, a, a election in Ontario in 2003, and uh, Ernie Eves' campaign team issued a press release calling their opponent Dalton McGuinty and and I quote, "evil reptilian kitten eater from another planet." Uh, as it turns out, this did not help Ernie Eves' campaign. I love the fact that I would immediately vote for someone who did that if it was not for the response of the other candidate, which was. To- well, I'll let you say it. Well, he, apparently he, he posed with lots of kittens to show that he wasn't, in fact, going to eat them. See, I, I think, you, you know, you get a stupid... It, it's the class of humour I want to see in my politician, not their ability to run the country, because we know they can't do that. <laughs> well, you, you just assert that no politician can run the country full stop. No, none of them can. I've never seen a country run well. Well, one of the, one of the theses of um, Neil Gaiman's short story, A Study in Emerald, which is, I discovered today you can actually get for free as a PDF from his website if you don't want to buy fragile things. Uh, a Study in Emerald is a pastiche of uh, Sherlock Holmes, hence A Study in Scarlet, um, crossed with uh, the works of H.P. Lovecraft. So, so the rulers of England, or Albion as it's called in this story, are great old ones who defeated humanity you know, 7,000 years ago or 700 years ago. And so the queen is a lizard, basically, or kind of a, a squid thing. See, what I find really weird about the David Icke stuff is it is almost as if he watched V one day as the TV series. And of course it was remade recently and has been showing on the Sci-Fi Channel or something. Huh. Which is all about visitors who are dressed up as humans and they're lizards underneath their skin. Uh, it's just like, did, did you just get drunk and forget reality? Existence. And, yeah. F- f- forgot how the world actually but works. he's a massive conspiracy theory nut. And um, he's got a very good website if you want to get lost in it. Should we, should we, put, should we put this in the show notes, perhaps? I, well, I, I think you could Google for David Icke and find him. Okay. Uh, please, please listen to us. Tell, tell us what you think of David Icke's uh, uh, facts. Or maybe don't. Maybe, maybe we know enough. It, well, interestingly, he has got the odd bit of stuff in there. It's actually quite good because he talks about how the media works and how it's dodgy and broken. And some of it's spot on, you know. He's not 
you know, conspiracy theory. It's just saying there are broken ways the media works. Like how they report on what goes on government. Basically, someone comes out and tells the media what to report on. Well, which, yeah, I suppose at some level, there's nothing else they can do. So, I mean, I guess, like, sort of veering wildly away from leaders and so on... Um, one of the kind of longest one, longest conspiracy theories in music was that whether if you play a record backwards, um, it actually re- reveals satanic lyrics. Um, and the, I guess one of the classic ones was Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Which is a great song. So here is a sample from Stairway to Heaven. So that was 24 seconds of Stairway to Heaven, talking about bustles and hedgerows and spring cleans for May Queens. Um, So I'm feeling satanic already. Exactly, exactly. So here it is backwards. So, this website, which uh, you found, Andy, uh, has the lyrics backwards, uh, what they're supposed to say. Well, they're suggested lyrics. So, uh, this came to me by a person called Professor Chris French, who does the study of anomalistic psychology down at one of the universities in London. I've just forgot. Goldsmiths, I think it is. But if you search for Professor Chris French, I'm sure you'll find him. And he does some really interesting stuff on anonymous psychology. And, uh, yeah, so he sent... He did talk on this, and I came across it that way. And then there's some suggested lyrics of what it sounds like backwards. So the suggested lyrics, in case... You know, I don't know if you heard this. I heard some of it, having read this on the screen now, were, Oh, here's to my sweet Satan, the one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is Satan. He'll give those with him 666... There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer sad Satan. So let's hear that again and see if you can hear those. Actually, it does sound quite like that. No, it it shows you how if you suggest something to someone, you absolutely hear it. And, I mean, we it's a shame that we can't you know do text over radio because when you do that with words directly in front of you, it's amazingly effective. And you'll get people coming up and saying, "It wasn't the same bit of music, was it?" You, you know, you, you cheated, and you go, "No." But I mean, I guess this comes back to the whole thing of seeing faces where there aren't any faces. Humans are very good at finding patterns in yeah. in, in whatever form of data, even if there's no pattern there at all. Another great one is, and it doesn't even require you to reverse it, but that you can find it on the internet, is, uh, you know, Old Fortuna. Um, the poem? The, 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 the song, the music. Ah, I do, but I know, I, I actually have never heard the one which everyone knows. There's a different <laughs> piece of music which was called Old Fortuna. I thought, okay, this is, this is an interesting song, and searched for it, and the description of it sounded nothing like Amplifier, who are a Mancunian you know, stoner metal band or something. So, if you play a version of it, um, uh, there's a version of it on the internet where it's O Fortuna, as in Fortunas, and it's got loads of pictures. Of, 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 of cats and things, you know. And it, it, you just can't not hear what it says. 
Yeah, well, the, people did this with a Fallout Boy video many years ago because, you know, any kind of uh, unintelligible lyrics are going to give rise to this thing. Yeah. Hey, back to Mondegreens, as we were talking about before. Anyway, we'll be back with you after this. It's an amazing smile Even the suit has teeth Everything flash and guile Nothing underneath Except a small black heart That no one sees but me I've been watching I can see you start to wonder Could it be that you need me To keep you out To run you faster Promise me you'll let me be the one The worst of all your enemies Pretending you're a friend to me Say that we'll be camfm.co.uk on air 97.2 and across Cambridge your camfm welcome back that was Nemesis by Jonathan Coulton which I think maybe we've played before I can't remember we play a lot of Jonathan Coulton considering how many artists are out there yeah I guess he I guess he, I guess he's kind of an, an easy target for the, for the subject matter of the show uh, so we got an email during that from someone saying um, hmm I think you really have to listen for it um Yes, I think I think on the website, which we'll link to in the show notes, um, you if you can toggle whether you can see the backwards lyrics on or off, and it's much easier to hear what it's supposedly saying when you see the lyrics in front of you. It's really uncanny, actually. Yeah. So that's if you want to look for it, Stairway to Heaven backmasking. Uh, yes, back yeah, backmasking is the name. Yeah. Um, so we were speaking of leaders a few minutes ago. Um, 
this this song Nemesis reminded me of an episode of This American Life titled Nemesis, which talked about how um, during the Polish presidential election of uh, 2010, uh, one candidate was criticized by his opponents as being very pro-Russia. And they ended up um, criticizing him, well, the rumor was spread, that in fact, his parents were not really Polish. Uh, they They had some real Poles had been assassinated during the Cold War and some Russians planted as uh, replacements to raise this child to one day become president. Which seems... Oh, well, it seems believable as something you'd want to do, just so difficult to carry out. Yeah, very ex- very extensive way to rig an election in another country. Very extensive and expensive, I don't know. Bribes would be better, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think they probably... Yeah, I mean... There's probably, probably some kind of remark about electoral consistency here, which we're not going to. Die uh, voting machines. Absolutely, absolutely. But there was... Um, so, we teased you earlier by talking about um, Red Dwarf. There's um, one of those one of those episodes which was made to pad it out, pad it out was uh, Ticker to Ride, in which they go back to the past. Is this the one where they accidentally, you know, save Kennedy? Yeah, right. They, 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 um, their spaceship or whatever, or time machine, I forget how it works, lands in such a way that it knocks Lee Harvey Oswald over. And um, out the window? Uh, yes, I think so, actually. Yeah, I think it, it's comical in... Well, <laughs> yes, because it's such a serious and straight show. Absolutely, absolutely. But, um, so yeah, so, so, so Kennedy survives, and this like this really ruins... Well, ruins the future, um, as you know, cha- saving people's lives often does. Kennedy was exposed for massive corruption and so on. He ends up getting jailed. The Cold War drags on for ages. It's very bad. So they set about trying to, um, trying to get him to be actually assassinated. Which they then do, if I remember correctly, by redirecting Lee Harvey up a flight of stairs to the next window. But that results in him not being able to get the shot correctly. Right, so he, so he, he, he hits, but it doesn't kill him. He only wounds him. So eventually, they go forward in time to when Kennedy is in jail um, and convince him to come back in time, stand behind the grassy knoll, and assassinate himself to restore his legacy. And hence explaining why there are three shooters. Yes, exactly. Like, it, it, it explains so many theories all in one fell swoop. It's really beautiful. And true. It's 100% true. Everything about Red Dwarf is always true. Um, so, a while ago, I may have mentioned how, a kind of weird episode where I thought I'd received a book, um, which, you know, anonymously from the internet. And it turned out, actually, I actually asked someone to send it to me, so it was r- very unsurprising. But then it happened to me again. You know, I, I, my library card, you know, well, my library emailed me and said, hey, you know, your, your hold has come in, the crying of Lot 49. Um, I thought to myself, well, you know, don't think I've... Um, ordered that but again it turned out to be someone recommended it to me and I forgot um, it's not a conspiracy to make you read books no but it is a book about conspiracy theories uh, which I've only got so far in it so far so I'm not, I can't really well, it's very dense reading but the premise is largely that there's a a underground uh, post company who has, has was forced into hiding um, you know 50, 100 years before when the US government took over a postal monopoly uh, with a company who is not obviously the U.S. postal system, but the company did exist. It was a 16th-century um, German post service, and then this, this other company is sort of some kind of underground thing, and conspiracy is, is, is uncovered by uh, the the protagonist having to ex- execute someone's will and finding all kinds of weird items about their person. Um, and apparently, have you read Foucault's Pen- Pendulum? No. Okay, well, nor have I. But apparently, that's also very good. So, <laughs> thank you, Ian, for the for for the reading list suggestions. Um, I'm afraid they might take some time. The writing in The Crying of Lot 49 is extremely dense. So, is it sort of <clears throat> Ian Banks level or worse? Um, 
it's partly that the writing's very small, and, <laughs> and, par- and partly that the sentences are about you know half a page long. There's lots of commas. But it's very all very fragmentary. I, um, I, I love the way it's just it, it's written in very small writing, well, literally I mean, dense. Well, that, well, yeah, it is dense in many senses. I I thought maybe I could read it in time for the show. Um, it's only 150 pages. I was like, well, I'll be fine. I'll read that in an evening. Then I opened it up, and there's about like 50, 50, 60 lines per page. The font's tiny. It's really mashed up together. I thought, oh, okay. Well, should have bought be... an electronic reader. Well, yeah, I should have done. It wouldn't have made me read it any faster. Well, you can make it bigger, but easier to see, less eye strain. Anyway, we probably don't want to t- talk about our reading material choices on there. Maybe not. But um, so I was thinking a few, you know, a few weeks ago we had um, Juke on here again to talk about uh, hybrids, um, and there are a few like, famous cases where people thought that you know that real animals were fake or fake animals were real. I mean, I guess the most ludicrous animal on the planet is the duck-billed platypus, uh, which was originally considered to be a hoax. They're fake. Are they? They're, they're venomous. They're, they're, they're venomous mammals. Which, which look like ducks. Which lay eggs. Yeah, yeah. they're fake. I mean, it's a reasonable assumption that they might be fake, but people genuinely thought that they'd stitched a, they'd stitched a duck onto, you know, some other animal. Um, and it, it took, I think, delivering a live one back to Europe before people believed it. Um, but it was also the case of the Piltdown Man, um, which was um, a skeleton dug up in about 1912. Well, ostensibly dug up in 1912, um, which was supposedly the, the missing link in you know some kind of stage of human evolution. Was it dug up in Piltdown by any chance? It was in fact dug up in Piltdown, um, which I think is in Sussex. It's somewhere in the UK, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know the, the, the facial structure was um, spe- in particular was um, not quite human. Uh, the lower jaw was um, was particularly pronounced, uh, but it turned out um, it, it was believed for about you know 40 years, and eventually in 1953. Um, people realised it was actually just the jaw of a chimp fused to the skull of a human. <laughs> On uh, purpose? Yeah, deliberately. It was, really? a, it was a deliberate hoax. It wasn't a mistake. Um, but it was one of these things where, I guess, where the, the joke was not maybe not supposed to last for decades? Well, this is always the trouble. Is So science generally works quite well, because, you know, these things do get found out, but it's very dangerous to assume that all scientists are honest. Right. Well, and there are lots of scientists who are also tricksters. Yeah. Uh, who, well, who, scientists are human beings, right. so you're at all the same risks of anyone else, though the industry is not one that people go into to make lots of money, so it's slightly safer than, let's say, dodgy car salesmen. Yeah, but, but also it's an, it's an industry where people, people are there to, uh, uh, you know, to exercise their minds, and so constructing elaborate intellectual conspiracies is probably um, you know, definitely, definitely up, up the alley of the kind of people who... Yeah, it certainly science. fills into the evil genius movie idea of scientists. There aren't many, but... You can see how it works. Right. They're just not paid enough, really, to pull off the stuff in movies. That's the trouble. You can't make your own private lab and, you know, make a super weapon. Yeah, the, um, in, in that Jonathan Corton song, um, there's a lyric, um, it's an amazing smile, even your suit has teeth. Um, which just seems like a very, you know, if you were going to be a supervillain and you wanted to be, you know, ostentatious, I think there are probably better things to do than stitch teeth into your clothing. People just look at you and think, you, you're, I mean, I guess if you're going for the crazy kind of Joker-esque um, angle. I always found it odd that the Joker was voiced by the same person as Luke Skywalker. Really? So well, it's only certain things. So it's um, in the cartoon and in the latest games. It's um, I can't remember his name now. Mark House. Mark Hamill. Oh, Mark Hamill. Yeah. That's, that, that sounds plausible. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of following his career. Not not anything against the guy, but it's not exactly been amazing since Wing Commander. Is it, was that a, was that a, 
Was that a film? I thought it was a video game. Well, there is Wing Commander of a movie, but in the video game Wing Commander 4, they had live-action video, and he was in it. That seems... Well, but there's a, there's a few people who accidentally got famous by act, by acting in video games. Oh. So back, back to Red, you know, Red Alert for a moment. The, um, the, 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 act, the actor who played Kane in, I think, all, of the, all the episodes uh, was actually a um, video games developer, and he just kind of, kind of drifted into the role of acting. Because he had a shaved head? Because he had a shaved head and looked menacing and had a particular tone of voice. I mean, and, he plays Kane really well. Oh, definitely. So it's not surprising. It's one of, it's one of those one of these things where you realise that you know even this relatively um, uh, fun game, you know, it's not meant to be a very serious game, but the the, the acting really carries it. It makes it much more. Mm, not so sure in some of the earlier stuff. Well, I remember some of the Sonya stuff. Was it Sonya? Tanya. Tanya. Yeah, yeah. Well, it got more ridiculous as the series went on. But the the, but the first one and the and the uh, and Command and Conquer, which was I think supposed to be a sort of semi-serious game, um, like it managed to construct some kind of viable story for this. Anyway, I think that's all we have time for. Unfortunately, um, next week we're going to have Cat uh, Arnie. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. So Cat Arnie from the Naked Scientist also does science communication is a job and uh, plays in a band and many other things she does far too much she has a, she has a blog called I Do Far Too Much uh, which you should check out you should also check out our new website scienceoffiction.co.uk and we'll see you next week see you next week